Hello, and welcome to the Scriptures Are Real podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about things in the scriptures that have made them become very real for us so that we can draw more power out of them. I'm your host, Kerry Mulstein, and this is a short cast where it's just me, and I want to talk through a couple of things that are in Exodus chapter 3. We've already done uh, three episodes, one one short cast and, and two longer episodes uh, on the Exodus. I could talk about this stuff for forever, but we won't give you 22 hours worth of stuff, but I felt like uh, here in Exodus chapter 3, there are a, a few things that are really worth going through. So you'll remember uh, in, in the last episode where I was, uh, Lamar and I, we got through where uh, Moses uh, as uh, encountering God at the burning bush and, and realizing how holy this is, and he's going to take his, his shoes from off his feet uh, because it's so, so holy. Um, and let's, let's get uh, then, so we're in Exodus chapter 3, we're really getting to verse 7 then, where it says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. I love that phrase. I've heard them and the idea, I know their sorrows. He, this isn't a surprise. He doesn't know. He's not oblivious to what's been going on. He knows their sorrows. I'm sure that's true for us. As I hear that, that becomes very real for me. As I'm having sorrows over held struggles of my children or over uh, friends that are going through very difficult health struggles right now and emotional struggles of friends and family and so on. Uh, there's real sorrow in there, but God knows my sorrow, and that's fantastic. But the next verse, after saying, I know their sorrows, the next thing is even more exciting. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land, a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. So beautiful. I'm not just aware of your sorrows. I am going to take you out of them and put you in a beautiful place is what he's saying. Now, this may take a while. Remember, the Israelites have been in bondage for quite a while. So I don't know that we can always expect immediate deliverance, but deliverance is sure for covenant keepers. If we, God knows our sorrows and he will come down to deliver us and put us into a land of milk and honey. Um, and so uh, we're going to get to verse 10 now where he tells, tells Moses, Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, note there's that phrase, my people again, the children of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Now, we talked in the one of the first podcasts, as we talked about Moses chapter one, about how Moses is humbled and ennobled as he meets God. He's certainly humbled here for a couple of reasons. One, he's humbled in God's presence because God is so amazing and Moses is humbled to be with him uh, and in that presence. But second, the job God is giving Moses is overwhelming. Egypt is th the superpower. Moses is well aware of how much power Pharaoh has. He is well aware of Pharaoh's un the unlikeliness that Pharaoh will let Israel go. Uh, and he wasn't very popular. That's why, I mean, he just, uh, he left Egypt under duress, we could say. He had uh, done something, he'd killed someone, and, and uh, this was a problem. So going back is a problem. Trying to get Pharaoh to let Israelites go is a problem. And you can see Moses' humility where he says, but who am I that I can make that happen? That I can, uh, that in any way I can get that to happen. I think he's also worried, well, will the Israelites accept me? So I've got to deal with both Israel 
and Pharaoh, neither group are big Moses fans right now. And so this is a, a really tough task. Now, sometimes God gives us tough tasks and, and he's giving Moses a tough task. We're going to skip for just a moment and then we're going to come back and kind of make it the highlight, the, the part where he learns God's name. Um, uh, but uh, let's, let's look at uh, just, we're going to keep following this humility pattern for just a moment uh, because we get um, uh, Moses talking about, uh, um, I'm looking in chapter four. And uh, Moses says in verse one, but behold, they will not believe me nor hearken to my voice for they will say the Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And then God reassures Moses by telling him, uh, okay, here's some signs that you can show them so that they will believe. Um, and then uh, Moses in verse 10 said unto the Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. I don't know if that means he doesn't feel super confident in Hebrew. I don't know if he has, some people have suggested a speech impediment. Maybe, maybe he just feels like he's just not a gifted speaker uh, or that he freezes up or something. We don't know what that means, but note God's response. And this is a response that gets after Moses a little bit. It's almost, I, I don't think we could really say it's frustration with God, but he is exhibiting, um, it's time for you to stop doubting me and take what I'm asking you to do and the promises I'm giving you seriously kind of a moment that will both humble and ennoble Moses. So we get verse 10 or verse 11. And the Lord said unto him, who hath made man's mouth or who maketh the dumb or deaf or the seen or the blind have not I the Lord now therefore go and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. You see his point? Who makes it so people can talk anyway? I'm the one who makes it so they can. I'm the one who makes it so they can't. It's me. It's God. Why are you worried? You go and start. You open your mouth, and I'll make this happen. That's a, that's a, a, an exciting, uh, a, a powerful reminder from God uh, that we should think of anytime we're feeling like, I, God asked me to do this, but I'm just not up to it. Remember, God is up to it. He's more than up to it. And if you're doing his will, he'll, he'll get you there. But note that he also has this patience with Moses because the next verse, he said, oh, my Lord, that means he is Moses. So Moses said, oh, my Lord, send, I pray thee by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. So he's, he's, he's not happy that Moses keeps being afraid of doing this, but he's going to work with them in it. So it's kindled against Moses, but he said, is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him and put words in his mouth. And I will be with thy mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what ye shall do. And he shall be thy spokesman unto the people. So you get this idea that uh, as much as Moses should just start speaking himself. He's not that confident and faith-filled yet. Moses will get to be that confident and faith-filled, and he will become truly amazing, but he's not there yet. This is, the, this is the nascent prophet, right? This is the prophet just being called. This is like President Kimball when he's called to be a member of the Quorum of the Twelve, and he is overwhelmed, and, and it just feels like maybe he's going to die. He just This is too much for him, and in every case, we're right. It is too much for us. 
without God. But with God, it's not too much. And so Moses is becoming that, and God gives him the help he needs when he needs it. He works with him where he's at, and he gets him to where he needs to be. And he'll do that with all of us. I find that uh, really touching as I think of the things that sometimes I feel like I'm asked to do that I don't know how I could ever be up to that. Uh, and I'm grateful that I can know that God will make us up to that. So as part of this, remember that, that Moses, part of his concern is that the Israelites aren't necessarily going to trust that he's a prophet. I mean, and why should they? Last they knew, he was uh, in the Egyptian harem. He was a part of royalty or the royal family. And then he had to flee. And that's the last thing they knew. Why should they believe him if he comes back and says, actually, God's going to use me to help deliver you? Uh, and, and so that's a reasonable question and a reasonable concern. And uh, so if we go back to chapter three and we get um, verse uh, 11 is where we'd, we'd read where Moses says, uh, who am I that I should bring forth the children out of Israel? Verse 12, this is God speaking. And he said, certainly I will be with thee. Remember that phrase. We're going to come back to that uh, a, a thousand times in some ways. I will be with thee, but especially because God's going to be with whoever he calls. We need to remember that. But I also want you to remember the grammar of it. We're going to come back to that. I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt. Ye shall serve God upon this mountain. That's a strange token. He says, the way you can know that I will deliver uh, you is that after I've delivered you, you'll come here. Ah, I mean, how does that help? I, uh, God is, is so certain, though, that this is going to work. He's starting to tell them what they need to do after they're done with it, right? But verse 13, and Moses said unto God, behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, the Lord of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? So this is Moses saying, like, they're not going to believe I'm a prophet. Uh, what should I call you by? They're, they're, they may not even believe uh, that I know you by name. Then we get this famous verse in verse 14, and God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. So, uh, well, and then let's, we're going to come back to that verse 15. And God said, moreover unto Moses, thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial unto all generations. So he is invoking the covenant, uh, reminding them then that he will keep the covenant as he does this. But, uh, but a lot of this is tied up in the name. So let's talk about that name. And in order to do this, we're going to have to do a little bit of uh, Hebrew grammar to, to really talk about this. So in Hebrew, there's actually no present tense to be verb. You can't say, actually, it's impossible to say, I am that I am. You can't say, I am Carrie, or I am Moses, or I am Jehovah. Uh, there is no present tense to be verb. You, it's just assumed. You kind of fill it in. So it's kind of like saying me, Tarzan, you, Jane. Uh, it, it's assumed. I am Tarzan. You are Jane, right? So the, but there is a to be verb in future. And they don't work out perfectly as future and past tense, but it's close enough. We're just going to say future and past tense. So um, in future and past tense. And that's important because we, we want to know whether someone is something or they were something or they will be something, right? So the kind of standard version is a, uh, a past tense version. Uh, and in Hebrew, you're going to go what we call third uh, masculine singular. So this is a third person, uh, a singular male. So that would be he. 
that's your standard verb form. And then you, you modify things from there. So that the past tense to be form for he is haya. Okay. That's H Y H. We're not going to worry about the, the vowels uh, in Hebrew. It's the consonants that are going to be important for us here. So haya means he was literally, that means he was now, if you want to um, change some, well, uh, let's, let's say this, first of all, that in really archaic Hebrew, that, that Y stand in the middle, the Y was probably a Vav or a V. So Hava is probably the older form of this. All right. Now, if you want to change this instead of being past tense to future tense, then you put a prefix on it. All right. And with past tense, if you want it to be someone then third singular, like if you wanted it to be us, then you're going to put a new on it. You put suffixes on to make it past tense and say who it is. You put prefixes on to make it future tense and say who it is. So, for example, if you wanted to say um, he or I will be, you say eh, he, he, yeah, all right? Or archaically, uh, whoops, eh, yeah, uh, or archaically, uh, have, uh, okay? Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to put, uh, it, sometimes I say W, sometimes I say H, because uh, it's really the same in, in Hebrew. We won't get into all of that, all right? So, but we're going to say, eh, yeah. And in fact, you remember when I told you to remember that phrase up above, eh, yeah. Uh, I will be, or I said, remember where he says, I will be with thee. This is exactly what he says when he says, I am that I am. He doesn't say I am that I am, and it's actually impossible to say that I am that I am. He says, I will be what or who I will be. And it's, it's exactly the same word that is used in that verse where he says, I will be with you. And that's a perfect translation of that. I will be with you. So literally translated, this is, I will be who I will be. And I think that's actually, in my view, that's probably the best way to translate it, because what we have then is a prophetic name. This is Jehovah, the God of the Old Testament, but it's, it's Christ, and he is saying, I will be who I will be, meaning I will be Christ. I will come down. I will be the Savior. I am now who I will be, but I will be who I will be. I think it's a prophetic name. Now, uh, you can take it a number of different ways. There, there may be something to, uh, if you're trying to say I am that I am, meaning I am the self-existent one. I've always existed. I will always exist. I exist. Uh, if you want to say I am that I am, this is the closest you're going to be able to come to it. There is no way of saying I am. You have to say I will be or I was. And I think I will be has, I was has kind of connotations. That means I'm not anymore. Uh, so I will be that I will be is probably the, the closest you could come to that. So that's maybe a decent translation of that. Um, and some people take it that way. Some people take it in what we call a causative form, meaning I will cause to be what I will cause to be. I, that, that works for me as well. But I think what works the best is this idea of it being prophetic. I will be who I will be. Now, there's, there's a reason I kind of like that. There's another reason that I like that besides that it's prophetic. If we were to make this third person uh, future tense, all right? So instead of I will be, if we were to make it he will be, it would be a yod on the front, and then you've got the hey and the vav and the hey, uh, or we could put it as a w. So that becomes uh, Yehovah or, uh, or Yahweh or Jehovah, right? The, the name Jehovah or Yahweh literally reads, he will be. 
and I think it's a prophetic name. That's my opinion. This is a prophetic name. He, Christ or Jehovah is the one who will be, meaning Christ. It's a prophecy about who he will be. Even in the name, it's a prophecy about who he will be. Uh, and and that's part of why I like, I think it's saying he will be, and that's part of why I love him saying it himself. No, I will be. Uh, he prophesies of himself. You get his own witness and you get uh, in his name, other people witnessing of him and so on. I think this is fantastic stuff. Uh, I've heard people um, suggest that uh, that part of the reason you get this name is because uh, it almost sounds like you're breathing, right? Ehya, ehya, or ehya, asher, ehya. And it kind of sounds like breathing, and there's a breath of life connotation in there. I like that as well, and and uh, I, I don't I think they, those can be mutually reinforcing rather than mutually exclusive. Uh, I'm most convinced of the prophetic nature of it, but breath of life nature of it uh, is, is convincing to me. Um, this name then will be associated, of course, Jehovah or I will be. I mean, it, Moses and the Israelites would have recognized this is the same name, Jehovah or Yahweh. And Ehia, uh, Yehia and Ehia basically is, is, is how we would say these. Um, uh, they would have recognized that as being the same name. So that then later it, when Christ says, um, uh, before uh, Abraham was, I am, uh, they will recognize that as him tying himself in the divine name and uh, they will want to stone him for it. It would be blasphemy were it anyone else. Uh, it's not someone else. This actually is Jehovah who says this, so it's not blasphemy. But were it someone else, it would be blasphemy. And so this this name um, becomes really important, both so that the Israelites know that Joseph or that that Moses is not a worshiper of Ra. He's not a worshiper of Amun uh, or uh, any of the Yehoras, Osiris, you know, whoever they probably assume he is a worshiper of. He has, and maybe he was when he first came out of Egypt. I don't know. Um, but he, and, and by the way, I think that, well, Joshua tells us that the Israelites worship Jehovah and a bunch of other gods, but they need to know, or at least a number of Israelites, maybe not all, but a number of them. The Israelites need to know that Moses is Jehovah's representative. And so the exchange of names here is very important in those terms. But I think it's also important in terms of identifying relationships. You remember, we've talked about that when it comes to covenants that you identify who is whom. I am Jehovah, you are Abraham. We've had uh, that discussion. We've seen that discussion. I am Jehovah, you are Jacob. No more is your name Jacob, it is Israel, right? We, we've seen those discussions. The identification of names when establishing relationships is very important. And so I think that's part of what's going on here. God is calling Moses by name. He's also, Moses is inquiring of his name and they're exchanging names in this way. And this is part of establishing that covenant relationship as God is about to fulfill the covenant and deliver Israel. So thank goodness for the theme of deliverance and thank goodness, literally thank God, that that theme is tied up with Jehovah, the one who will be, the one who will come and suffer for us, so that he not only has the ability to deliver Moses and the Israelites from the Egyptians, he has the ability to deliver anyone who will become part of the house of Israel from death and hell themselves and from everything, <clears throat> everything else that could ever, ever oppress us. Thank, literally thank God for that. And I thank him in the name of his delivering son, even Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>